All right, so we got Brandon and Justin from the Mendenhall Experiment hanging out. Thanks for stopping by the KCAL Studios, guys. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having us here. You guys have been on a, on a whirlwind uh, year with the movie coming out. We want to touch on that and, and a lot of killer shows coming up recently, opening up for a lot of uh, friends and, and bands that we know and heard of. And I uh, want to get your opinion on a couple of things, too. Of awesome. Get, getting into some topical things. I guess let's start with some of the more recent stuff that you had done. And we were talking about the other day about playing with Cold. And, dude, I want to hear all about that. I was a big Cold fan. <laughs> 13 Ways to Bleed on stage. Love that album. Love that record. Love you. The Spider. Even the one after that. A different kind of pain. Killer tri- trilogy of records. You know, I grew up being a huge Cold fan. I think they were one of the bands that, like, when I first started playing guitar, I sat and tried to play Confessions for, like, hours and hours. Just wanted to play that song in that heavy section. So, years later, getting to open for them at the Viper Room was beyond a dream and honor. And they still brought it, right, Scooter and the guys? It was amazing. Amazing. And hopefully, we're going to link up with those guys down the line. Killer. And they have a new album out. I heard heard a song or two. I haven't heard the whole thing yet. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but it's pretty good. I listened to it. So are you you more of a, a, you said you're more of the second album than the first album for Cold, if we're going back. Yeah, the second album is uh, 13 Ways to Bleed. And then You of the Spider was probably my favorite, yeah. See, I'm more like 13 Ways, Just Got Wicked, and what, Stupid Girl, and... And and Bleed, Bleed was the big acoustic track of man it's so awesome so awesome so what year did you move to the ie i moved to the ie 2014 okay i moved to la in 2004 okay so, so before your time because when that album came out we did a, a concert cold did a concert out in the ie out in san bernardino we were doing a show with them and i'll never forget the guitar player in the band i think it's just scooter that's left from the original nowadays but yeah the yeah, guy yeah. that was there then was wearing a michael myers mask and he had a blue jumpsuit on terry, it was, <laughs> yeah terry from evanescence the guitar player Oh, that's who it was? Yeah, he would suit up and look like Michael Myers. He had dreadlocks, like <laughs> like Monkey, and he would play like Monkey, but he'd wear the full Michael Myers. Yeah. Suit. As a kid, that was the coolest, coolest thing yes. to me, man. I love that, like seeing him up there playing the, like, just got wicked riff, and he's got the Michael <laughs> Myers mask on. And wow. he never took it off. He never broke from character. Yeah. It was so amazing. Yeah, I tried to, like, see him backstage or something. Never, never took it off. I'm like, who is that guy? Now we, now we got to the bottom of it. Yeah, it's Taylor. He went on to play for Evanescence. Wow, he's not in the band still, though. No, he had some medical, like, stroke or something. He had to, uh, unfortunately, he retired early. Oh, bummer, man. Yeah. Well, at least at least we know the man behind the mask. And then a- another show you guys played recently, Suicide Silence, Riverside's very own. How did you hook up? Because the first time I saw you guys play was with Suicide Silence when they did their album release on the last album at the... Uh, Observatory. Observatory. Yeah, so you, you guys are clearly friends. How did you hook up with them? We met Suicide Silence and, and Garza. We met at Aftershock 2016. Okay. Uh, we hooked up. We were five stage for Corn. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we realized we live right here in Riverside, so you know we've been friends ever since. Awesome, man! Yeah, it makes sense—a Riverside connection. Goza became like one of my best friends ever. That dude has helped me out with guitar stuff, and you know, just improving my playing and making me a better musician tenfold. He's such a great dude. And looking forward to their new album coming out on, on Valentine's Day, appropriately enough. 
Ollie crushing <laughs> become the hunter. Be yeah. I've heard it. I've heard all of it, and it's it's awesome, man. They're all, back. All heavy. Yes. Nothing like the last album. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk smack about the last album. I liked, I liked it. it. Ross I liked it. Did a great job. It's unfortunate that it didn't. I felt like it didn't get the respect it fully deserved. I agree. I, I think the internet got a hold of it, and it was like funny, haha, and everybody ran with it. Yep. And it it really tanked a good piece of art. Yeah. Hopefully it will come back around. Like it will be one of those creeper records that right. ten years from now people <laughs> can finally appreciate it. Yeah, because I loved it. I I talked to Eddie that night of that show. I interviewed him on the bus. I talked to him for like an hour. I love that record. It dying in a red room. I thought was a killer tune. Like a real like deftonesy kind of creepy song. And I, I I really liked what they did on that record. But hold me up. Hold me up. Yep, I'm not mad. At, I'm not mad at the heavy though. Too, they can certainly do the uh, the brutality. Uh, they bring that pretty well. Yeah, Any- like they have a song on my new record called Two Steps. It's awesome. <laughs> Two steps, huh? Two steps. All right, I'm be be looking out for that one. Hey, um, I know you're obviously a big Corn fan and and a big Alice in Chains fan. You were at the. Did you go to the shows this summer? Absolutely, I saw. Uh, I was in San Diego, and my monkey brought me up to uh, San Francisco, and we did the show up there, uh, Shoreline, so right outside of San Francisco. And incredible shows, I mean. Oh, amazing. Monkey got up. It was the last night of the tour. He played them bones with Allison Chains. Oh, nice. Crushing. Nice. Yeah, because on paper, those bands don't really fit, but then you stop and think about it. Everyone's a fan. I know you're an Alice in Chains fan. I'm an Alice in Chains fan. Everyone loves corn. Like, it makes sense. It- I think that tour was like a tip of the hat of respect to Alice. Because, you know, without Alice, I don't think bands like corn would have such an avenue to do what they've done. No way. We'll have some fun with Justin since I already I already gave you this this little test. I got to get you involved, man. I know oh, you're the drummer always in the back, but let's have you play this little game since we're talking about oh. Alice in Chains and, and Corn. And I like to put bands in categories and make you choose out of them. So it's a little game I play. I already played it with Brandon, so mm-hmm. I already know his answers here. Big four, right? We know the big four of thrash metal, Metallica, Megadeth, Megadeth Slayer, Anthrax. Anthrax. So I've been I've been trying to think of like what I call the evolution of that. If, if that's 80s thrash and we go into the 90s, add one to it, I call it the flannel five. So I want to know your favorite out of the Flannel Five, which would be Nirvana, Pearl Jam, STP, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Oh, man. You know, when I was growing up, my older brother used to beat me up so much with Pearl Jam. Probably have to go with those guys. Pearl Jam. I know when I was coming up through high school, Nirvana was all the rage. And they were good, but I just never bit them. I like Pearl Jam and then probably like Alice in Chains. Man, I mean, it's like STP did so much. Scott Weiland was just amazing you know like so like you look at their performances and stuff but <sighs> purple the album just kind of was pearl jams it was an amazing album so are you, I, are, I mean yeah i'd say i go pearl jam yeah yeah you're still going pearl jam after talking about purple and how great <laughs> stp is you're going pearl jam <laughs> yeah what you favorite pearl jam record 10 yeah definitely because i can still listen to it today and it's just like it brings me back to like living in a house out in the country and when i was in like grade school you know 
and I can just be right back there with the stereo cranked up to 11. So. Sadly, the, the last man standing out of all those groups is Pearl Jam. I mean, yeah. Eddie Vedder's the only guy left. <laughs> and they're about to uh, come back, aren't they? Yeah, I, they're supposed I to have something. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah. You want to get into that? 2020, the year of the comebacks? Oh, totally. The reunions. The year of the comebacks. The year of the reunions. It's everybody, everybody in my mom's like, oh, we can reunite now? Oh, we can get paid? Let's do it. <laughs> $150 million? Yeah, dude, I don't know. Let's, uh, I mean, we'll get into the elephant in the room. I, I We were talking about it earlier. Motley Crue was my, my gateway band. My brother raised me on Priest and Maiden, and then Motley was kind of my introduction, and then Megadeth, and then I went into Thrash after that. But Motley, fell in love with them, gone to all the shows, went to the last, went to two of the last shows, paid top dollar, said it was done, not coming back, and here they are. I guess the thing is now as fans, we just have to assume that every single band is going to come back. Yeah, Kiss added another two years to yes. be doing schedule after I seen them in Anaheim and it was supposed to be the final final tour, but to be fair, the first time I saw Kiss was in Chicago on the farewell tour in 2000. Back with so, the original lineup. Back with Ace and Peter yeah. the original four. Yeah, yeah. So, more power to them. You know, you can't knock the hustle. They've got, all these bands have catalogs and people want to see them. So, let them keep coming. That's yeah. it. The demand's there, you know? I yeah. It's mean, just, if you're still selling out arenas, how do you say no? And like, I've, <laughs> I've never seen Motley Crue with Tommy Me. I saw them one time with Megadeth uh-huh. and Amphrax. Right, here in, at Glen Helen. In 2000 in Chicago. Okay. But they have some chick drummer playing. Samantha so Maloney from Hole. She was awesome. Yeah. But she's not Tommy Lee. So no. I'm excited to see Tommy. Because I didn't get to go to the, the final New Year's Eve at Staples. Right. I got left behind. Uh. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> when the roller coaster broke down. Oh, did that happen that night? Yeah, the final night of the tour, oh, it broke, and they had to literally climb up there and get him off and, and get him down. That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> but he made it safely. I mean, Tommy is is worth the price of admission, all the pyro. It's not so much the band, it's the vocals. Yeah, I think Vince Neil owes it to the fans to like really put in the work before this tour kicks off and you know drop a few pounds and get in shape and be able to deliver a killer show. Granted, I didn't see him on the final to, so I don't know if it was good or not. You can tell me that. He's going, no way. No way. <laughs> it, it, it was rough. It was rough and, and probably a lot of help. Yeah, who Kiss may have had help on that final. They they had help in Anaheim. You were there that night. It, it yep. definitely seemed like it. So, so do we now believe Slayer then? Or should, were we foolish to believe Slayer and say, I, no, they're kind of come back? You know, I just read an interview with Rick Sales and he was saying their manager, he was saying that oh, they're not ending the band. They're going to do a comic book line and a clothing line and they'll do a festival here and there. They're just ending touring. They're not ending Slayer entirely. And Kerry King just came out with a brand new Dean Guitars endorsement, so that makes me think that there's going to be some form of carrying on the Slayer flag. Well, see, I saw the guitar come out, and I just assumed Kerry's going to do something, because we all know it's Tom that's kind of... Yeah, Tom wants to hang it up. He's He wants to be home and be a family man. And yeah. You know how I get that. These guys have done it for, what, 40 years? 
30 uh, some odd years a whole 30 almost yeah. 40 years playing that breakneck speed all the day all day and all night and singing and screaming and headbanging he's already had the the uh, neck, neck surgery yeah like totally get it but we have to go in with the mindset now that they'll be back and they went through the traumatizing experience of losing Jeff Hanneman yeah I mean Jeff was the core songwriter you know I saw him right after that happened with Gary and those first shows were rough but they dialed me in and came back with a killer record. So, you know, more power to them. I love Slayer. I wonder if they come back, if they do if they do this and they go away for four or five years like Tommy. Maybe they bring back Dave Lombardo? Yeah, I yeah. saw something today, but uh, Dave Lombardo has no plans to make an appearance on the on my final Slayer run. And I like Dave better than I like Paul. I'm going to be honest. I yeah, like Dave. Too. I wish Dave was in the band. Especially because he can be. It's not like he's alive. He can still play. Like Yeah. No, he's a beast. Yeah. I mean, he, if, he's if the guy I that wrote all that. that. Yeah. When I'm there, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's yeah. killer. And I don't think Slayer's done by the, by the least. Yeah. I think they're going to go on hiatus, but they'll get the itch. Or they'll get uh, a bucket of cash. <laughs> <laughs> and they already said they have an album's worth of material. They basically did a double album and only released half of it. So Smart, wow. man. Smart. Yep. Can you believe that they make $10 million in merch sales on the final two? We're talking drums here. And we got a drummer in the room, Justin. Give, give me who was the guy that made you want to pick up drumsticks. Oddly enough, my dad showed up with drums one day. And I'm like, what are those? And he's like, Drums. I'm like, oh, good. All right. But I'd say it was probably my first biggest influence was uh, David Silveria. Okay. And uh, probably Greg Bissonette off of the David Lee Roth uh, Skyscraper? <laughs> the Eat em and Smile record. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that's Greg Bissonette, that's a deep pull. Yeah. <laughs> Who else? Give me two more. You got two more guys? Oh, let's see. David, you got Greg Bissonette. I mean, I could go like, yeah, the John Bonhams and the, the Neil Parrots, but uh, try to think like obscurely. Not ob- like, it doesn't have to be obscure, but just who mattered the most to you. Oh, man. Who, who, who decided how high your hi-hat up was up? Whether your toms were flat or round, where the ride symbol was, <laughs> where the crash went, where the china went. Oh, God. I mean, you look at it like, yeah, I love Dream Theater, so Mike Portnoy. Um, <laughs> so you just have just endless drums. Oh, yeah, dude, I used to have the huge surrounding kit that was all stupid and way too much to move for shows and yeah. tours. <laughs> Mike Portnoy, let's see. Yeah, Greg Bissonnette, David Silvera. Tommy Lee. Lombardo. No. Lombardo, yeah, you could definitely say that because uh, I was always into speed metal. So, like, the faster the better. Uh, Tim Young from, like, oh, Divine yeah. Heresy and Corrosion and all them guys. Speed metal all the way. I, I used to be. So Gene Hoagland. Oh, he's a monster. Like, the clock. Yeah. No, that guy's, he's so rigid, so tight. And just looks like he's back there, like, could drink tea and just keep <laughs> playing. Like, what? He does. He makes it look so effortless. Like, Him and Dino, when they were paired together in Fear Factory, like, these guys could do this all day. Yeah. Oh, look like they're, look like they're asleep. It's and, all about the right hand though right for guitar playing oh that's what Dino tell you all day long I just saw Dino like 10 days ago at a, a going away party and uh, had a guitar there and he's ripping away and I'm watching him do it I'm like effortless percussive rhythmic he's the king at that the yeah. right wrist yep. can we talk about Fear Factory do we know what's going on can we say anything speaking of reunions can we get that one in 2020 <laughs> can That'd we awesome. I would I would vote can we start a Fear Factory campaign yeah 
maybe. I mean, it worked for Motley Crue. That's what brought them back, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> well, I mean, you have you know you have such a successful biopic like Motley Crue, and the world wants to see it. So. Fear Factory figures out their issues and get it back together and get back out there on the road. I heard some things of why and how that happened, but I'm not going to say. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they want that public. Yeah, probably not. That's probably all legalities and stuff like that that we, that we Def- have nothing to do with. Definitely all legal stuff, for yeah, sure. That's a bummer. Hey, on a happier note, Tour de Bruise, we were hanging out at RMA a few weeks ago. Good times. I wasn't very excited at first on paper. We had a Linkin Park tribute band there in the end, but then as the yeah. beer started going, you're like singing along to every song and having a good time. Yeah, it made me realize how much I actually miss that band. Yeah. And, uh, and also, I had a, a very somber moment where I was like, man, if Justin only realized how much his music touched so many people. There was a, a part in the show where it was just a piano piece. Mm-hmm. And people were marching to the piano <laughs> And it's like, dude, so many people love you. Your music meant so much to so many people. And I think he went down the wormhole with the whole new record and the direction change. And now, years later, it's no different than any of the other stuff. Yep. People accept it just the same. Yeah, and I sadly think Chris passing had a lot to do with his... Yeah, I yeah, because I mean the significance of the birthday. They were friends, and both kind of helped each other through that whole depression thing. And uh, it's unfortunate. Man. Yeah. Well, on a, on a slightly positive note about falling down and getting back up, really kind of brave of James Hetfield to say this year and and admit that he fell off the bandwagon and to go back into rehab and take care of business and get strong again. Dude, he broke the internet. He broke the internet more than Tool, Slipknot, <laughs> anybody. Broken. James Hetfield in rehab before you saw for like an hour. But, you know, it takes a lot of guts and fortitude to say, I'm a frontman of Metallica and, and I struggle. Yeah. And I have to take a few weeks off and he's right back up there at it. So Back on top of the world. Hats off to him, man. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being human. I mean, no one's perfect all the time. And I know we're supposed to be in social media in this day and age. Like, everyone lives a glorious life. But people have problems. People make mistakes. People have bad days. People do the wrong things. I mean. The pressure's real. Yeah, especially at that level. Yeah. How how many years have they been out supporting uh, Hogwarts? And how many times around the globe have they they gone? Yep. It has to get to your head. After so many shows, so many countries, so many screaming fans, you know, they're still Metallica. You know, they become wise and more mature, but after you do that again for so long, it just creeps back in, I think. He's a brave man and and more powerful than most people out there, and just hats off to him for opening up about that. Yeah, and everybody stepped up and supporting him. Tony Iommi, Randy Blythe, countless others, you know. Power of music. Yeah, well, it's kind of like you said about Chester. It's like there's so much, like, they affect so many people. It's like for them to do something like that is also kind of cool because somebody who's struggling on the outside might be like, man, you know what? James did it. I'm going in there. and I'm going to get myself right. So yeah, it is kind of cool when you see guys like that really willing to admit that stuff. That's humbling, you know. It's- Absolutely. He's a metal icon. So for him to, to step up and say, hey, 
I'm handling it. I'll be back. And then they announced like the biggest festival <laughs> run. Might be the biggest festival run in their history. If oh, for sure. As far as widescreen America. Like, yeah, in, in America, absolutely. Exposure. Playing two different sets every festival, playing Friday and Sunday night. So rad. Wow. So uh, I'm gonna have to start traveling in because we don't have anything around here in SoCal. I mean, aftershock up north, maybe yeah. that's the one to go up to. Hopefully, we'll get the nod to come join the festival again this year. I'm uh, pushing for it. Don't know if it will happen or not, but we'll see. Could you imagine if they just went out and they're like, "All right, every Friday night we're gonna play Master of Puppets, and then like <laughs> you know the next night we're gonna play, or we'll do like the '80s albums the first night and like the '90s oh, albums the next night or something <laughs> like that." Be insane. <laughs> Insane. I was just gonna say, I don't think they got enough lube for me if they did. That. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'll be in the crowd with ten foot circle around me. Oh my god! <laughs> Metallica was always that band. Even when I saw them in the late nineties, the first time I saw them was ninety nine with Corn and System and Kid Summer Rock Sanitarium. And, yeah, Summer Sanitarium yeah. tour. They played for almost three hours, and they still do that consistently twenty years later. I don't know any other metal band that could have that stamina maiden maybe maybe maiden and, and you might be mm-hmm. right because they go pretty long no and they're even older speaking of metallica since we are the mandatory metallica station what was your entry point for metallica probably injustice for all injustice uh-huh. was my my entry metallica record and still my favorite um uh, the opening to one you know, the entire song one is by far my favorite. And my Battery, of course. Yeah. Everybody loves Battery. But I'm a big fan of, like, Finger Black and For Whom the Bell Falls. And Seeking Shreds, one of my favorites. That riff is awesome. And you can't mock anything on the Black Elm. I know everybody tries, but <laughs> the commercial, but it's so rad. Yeah, it made them a whole lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> like, they kind of exploded after that, you know, because I, I was introduced to the Black Album. It was probably more like my first, so like, ooh, I'm late to the game. But I was like, who's this? And then I was like, okay, I like that. And then I was like, all right, I found a Ride the Lightning CD because that was the only one the CD store had. Right. And I was like, I'm buying it. So, <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of like a life-changing moment, you know. There you go. That's There you go, Lars. Makes like, a like, hair stand up on your arms. Yeah, that stuff's sick. It's it's still sick today. Timeless. If, if it came out today, it'd still be amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Timeless. Pick, pick a Metallica song for us to play. Um, one. One. All right. We'll do it. One last question <laughs> for you guys. We should look back for one second. The movie Mind Over Matter and great success with that release and reception. And now it's available on every platform, right? It's available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. It's not available for any on any streaming services yet. Okay. So the main source, I would say, go to Amazon. And you can either uh, rent it on Amazon Prime or you can purchase a hard copy. Is there going to be a part two? Are you going to do a follow-up or anything? I hope so. I hope so. Um, I'm, I'm hoping the popularity of the film backbuilds as the band gets more popular and we get more out there. People pick up more on the film. Unfortunately, um, kind of fell short in the marketing department, but you get a chance to see it. It's a great film. 
It, you know, that's a good thing about it. It's not like there's an expiration date on it. You know, people can always discover that at any point in time. It was something for everyone to take away from it. Yeah, dude. I told you it made me cry like three times watching. I was just so caught up in it. I could relate to so many different themes. Your grandfather like smashing the guitar and taking it away because he didn't want you to play because he didn't want you to go through that struggle. Like that, that killed me. But I can totally relate to that. I went through the same thing. My parents didn't want me playing drum. So many different milestones in that movie. Yeah, all the stuff you go through as a kid, getting bullied, and then the stuff I went through with my family, not wanting me to be a musician, and then uh, later in the film, all the stuff moving to L.A. and all the trials and tribulations of actually taking your band and making it to a national level. And it's kind of like a playbook. If you watch the film, it kind of gives you a blueprint, so to speak. That's true, and and it also shows you if you put your head down and do the work, you'll get there. I believe that true anything, you know, it's mind over matter. Mm-hmm. If you want to do anything and be successful in anything, as long as you put in the work, put your best foot forward, you, you're going to make it happen. And you just sent me a new tune, which we're going to play here. Talk to me about that tune. It's actually called Nothing Good Came Easy. It's the acoustic version. It was featured in the film. We have an accompanying video. It's going to come out um, on Lucid Records December 6th. It will be available on all streaming platforms and for purchase on Amazon and wherever you can buy music. I okay. don't know if iTunes is still a thing. I think I it, think so, for at least another year or so, maybe. Okay, so it'll be on iTunes then. And then, uh, you know, it'll be on all the sh- streaming platforms, so go play it, enjoy it. And catch the video, it'll be up on YouTube and all our social media and all that stuff. So just one song for the new year? Are we going to do an EP, an album? What are we thinking? We've got a new album coming. It should be ready by spring. We're using the same producer, Chris Collier, who mm-hmm. went with Prong and Korn and KXM. We've got nine songs in the tank already. We're probably going to cap it at ten. And uh, I don't know if it will get picked up as a full length, but we're going to split it and do two EPs. We'll just shop it and see, see where it goes. Got a cover on there, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might do um, we might do the Doors cover that we've been playing live. Ah. Uh, we do a mean cover of Warehouse Blues. That'd be cool. And there might there might be something else, but I'm gonna keep that one quiet. Any guest <laughs> appearances again? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're probably gonna see our buddy uh, Chris Gozer from Suicide Silence make an appearance, and um, maybe a couple other people that I can't really. Uh, <laughs> some maybe some other people we discussed. Yes, there'll be some surprises. For sure. <laughs> Well, we'll have to have you guys back in when that comes around. Thank you so much for the time and hanging out tonight. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks online at KCALFM.com. Adios.